Welcome to episode 106 of The Shortlist. My name is Johnny Campbell. I'm going to be your host for the next 40 minutes or so. I'm the host of this regular weekly podcast and also the CEO and co-founder of Social Talent, the learning platform for hiring and talent. And you're very welcome. We're going to be talking this week about something that hasn't occurred to me in two years, and that is a massive big event with people in a massive field talking about HR. It is our 2022 Wreckfest recap. So after two years of making sure laptop microphones are switched on, we have our ring lights on, internet connections are stable, in-person recruiting events and talent events finally returned this year. And in particular this summer, we were delighted last week to attend Wreckfest in Nebworth Park. What is Wreckfest? Uh, I hear you ask. Well, Wreckfest is arguably the largest talent and talent acquisition event in the world. And it's a festival. If you can imagine a Coachella, or a Glastonbury, maybe on a smaller scale, but instead of going to see bands, you're going to see talks about recruiting, but there's still all the food, there's the great weather, there's the entertaining carnival acts, there's the beer, there's the wine, there's the fun, there's the feels, there's no tents. Um, that's what Wreckfest is, and it's absolutely wonderful if you can imagine it in your heads. And we at Social Talent ran a stage last week called the Hiring and talent management stage. And by the way, Nebworth is Nebworth, you may have heard before. You go, well, I've heard of that word, Nebworth. Uh, Oasis had a very famous gig, gig there many years ago. Robbie Williams had a big gig there as well. They have big gigs every year. Um, and one of our guests on stage was there for Ozzy Osbourne, I think, as she said, 30 years ago. I won't mention who, but that would be showing her age. So Nebworth is a very famous location where normally there's 200,000 people. We'd about four and a half, five thousand 5,000 people. Uh, all in the HR space, but trust me, they're having plenty, plenty of drinks and we're enjoying it. So um, it was awesome. We really enjoyed it. And we wanted to share with you uh, what we learned, but I didn't want to just share with you what I learned because there were many stages and tents running. So on this week's show, I, along with some of my guests uh, who are joining me here, we've got Emma from the firm, Christy from the OL, OL 100. They'll, they'll introduce themselves in just a second. And hopefully Bill Borman will be also joining us just to give you a sense of what we learned, can consolidate in 40 minutes what you missed at Wreckfest, what you could have learned, and your best bits. Welcome, Emma. Welcome, Kirsty. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show this week. Hey, and welcome, hey. Bill, as well. Great to have you on the show. Maybe I'll start with you, Emma. Tell us, who are you? Why are you at Wreckfest? And, um, uh, tell us about what was your first time, 10th time. Tell us about your experience. Brilliant. Thank you, Johnny. So hello, everyone. My name is Emma Merrington from The Firm. We are a membership organisation for talent acquisition professionals. It was actually my very first Wreckfest. So not only was it my first Wreckfest, but I was also hosting the um, Future Talent stage. So that was everything early careers, which is a particular passion of mine. So fantastic day. Loved it. Dying to hear more about what you, heard, what you saw and heard on the stage. Emma, thank you. Kirsty, tell us about the stage you, tell us you first and what stage were you uh, involved in? So uh, I was lucky enough to um, co-present uh, the leadership stage along with my buddy uh, just coming in here, Bill Borman. Um, we we really were, we, we believe we had the best stage apart from your own, Johnny. I mean, it's competitive competitive of course you understand um why 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 am i being so bold with my assertion so i'm part of our 100 i'm lucky enough to represent our 100 members uh, to make sure that we present to them some really innovative and uh, 
brain stretching content and uh, really make sure the industry is moving forwards. And I'm also non-exec director to the recruitment events company who were the clever folk that hosted the event. And boy, was it an event, Johnny. I mean, try you, you explained it beautifully and Coachella is probably the thing that is, is best aligned to such an event, but it was work. Who knew? It was. We got Jared Wheeler online on LinkedIn, who I think was, was having a bit of a joke. Either he likes the phrase recruiting Coachella or he's laughing at the phrase recruiting Coachella. I'm going to take it, Jared, as a positive vote. Um, by the way, a quick, a quick shout out to those of you who are listening live. We broadcast, obviously, live on YouTube and LinkedIn every week. If you're lucky enough to be crazy enough to be live with us, we'd love to hear your questions and chat and comments for any of our guests here today. But if you're one of our regular podcast listeners, of course, we broadcast every Wednesday evening. Our new show goes out on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your talks. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts and any links we reference. We'll put them in the chat as well. And we've had LinkedIn users just saying, it was an amazing event. If you were there, tell us about it. We're dying to hear what your best bits are as well. And Bill is uh, working to try and join us and log in as well. We'll get to him in a second. I'm going to launch back in, right? So, Kirsty, tell me, what was it like being back at an in-person event after so long? Like, maybe contrast you know, the two years between... I think it was Mudshoot was the last three years maybe since the Mudshoot yeah. event, which is the last rec fest on this. How did you feel? Were you nervous? Were you scared? Were you excited? Talk to me about what, what you felt was the big thing you missed the most that you didn't realize until today. Yeah, so ob obviously it's concerning when you see the numbers expected, then, you know, just it's natural reaction to be feel a little bit anxious that this might suddenly feel like a stretch too far. We've all spent the last couple of years being terribly thoughtful about who we spend time with and how we spend time. Luckily, we, as you alluded, were in the middle of a field. So the set, really knowing that we were in the fresh air made it easier. Um, and and actually, the, the, any concerns were dispelled the minute you had your first conversation with somebody you hadn't seen for a couple of years. And look, we all connect on Zoom and we've all spoken regularly. But really looking somebody in the, eye, in the eye and being able to see their smile, truly see their smile, was a gift. It was truly a gift. That's, so, so for me, I would say to anybody that was wondering how to spend their time, whether they should continue to be virtual, I would say do it. But do it with thought and care. Our time is so valuable now. So if you're going to step forward into a group, make sure it's a really good one. I love that. Emma, was that the same for you? Was this the biggest event you've done in two and a half years? Or Absolutely. And actually, the very first person I saw was the day before was Kirsty. And we haven't seen each other for years. So it was so lovely to reconnect again, wasn't it, Kirsty? It really um, was. And I think the fact that it was such a large scale event, you know, over 4,000 people, I would sort of walk from one end of the field to the other, which typically would probably take you about 10 minutes. But it took me about an hour because I kept bumping into so many people that I hadn't seen for years and years. So it was such a lovely way to reconnect. And I think because of the format of the event, it was just a lot more relaxed than some of the more tr you know traditional conferences that you might attend. Talk to me about highlights, right? So um whoever wants to jump in first right i have tons of highlights I'll, I'll leave my highlight till till last um but what for you maybe emma or kirsty what was your the big kind of wow moment of the day and i know that i'm sure there were loads of wow moments on your stage what was the one that stands out to you the most for, for me let me start, yeah let, let me start emma i've got a thousand so i'm just going to sort through the first hundred for you johnny um <laughs> I had the I had the pleasure of standing at the entrance with the founder Jamie Leonard, 
at the point we had, you know, 4,000 people patiently waiting to come in uh, as they would any festival and seeing the joy and excitement on everybody's faces. So for me, that was the, the, the moment where it really came alive in terms of, you know, the, our speakers. And we had some amazing speakers, but um, probably when we showed that intro video with Torin talking about what it means to stay connected. Um, and I think Torin Ellis, if anybody you know, wants to look him up, then he speaks a lot of sense about diversity and inclusion and equality. And his intro video for us was just a really very smart and thoughtful way of encouraging us all to think about our peers and stay connected and what the, you know, what's the value that brings. I haven't seen this video. I'm dying to see it. I've heard it talked about in the last week. And I imagine if you follow any of the RL100 recruiting events or RecFest social channels, it'll be posted pretty soon. I love that. Emma, what about you? Um, so I think two levels. So on a personal level, the highlight was just reconnecting with so many people that I haven't seen for years. Um, and it yes, it was lovely to have those connections. And I think on a professional level, um, just the insights that I got from my stage, um, you've, there's some top class speakers and I, I learned a lot and I see a lot of events. I run a lot of events. I run training sessions. And um, and I just felt that the insights that, that I gleaned were, were fascinating. Um, so I think, yeah, just the insights in one place were fantastic. I wish I could see all of the stages. I, I know there were, many of them were recorded, Kirsty, weren't they? I know there's, there was video cameras on our stage and we were a smaller one. So I'm guessing there was cameras on pretty much everything. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely follow the feed and um, and you'll, you'll get snippets of all that went on. And I think you'll probably still be able to see the agenda. There's a RecFest website. So have a look at the agenda and you'll see some of those brilliant speakers as well. Um, it's def definitely worth tracking those people. And I've certainly followed all of them on LinkedIn to make sure that I, I get to hear their pearls of wisdom. I'm going to ask Simon's backstage and Simon just sends the link with the actual video we're talking about. I'm going to see if Simon can get that, play the audio and video of that live on the show. Simon, if you think that's Brilliant. good, we'd love to see it and love to broadcast yeah. it to our listeners and our viewers here so people can get a sense of what the opening act looked like. Um, while you're doing that, Simon, for me, Kirsty, um, Torin was, was part of one of my top highlights of, of my stage. And it was towards the end of the day, back to the last session and, the bars had opened at two o'clock to set the scene for everyone listening. The bars had opened at two o'clock and there was a kind of WhatsApp group going around for all speakers. And it was generally a consensus after two o'clock that some of the stages began to thin out. We didn't quite see the same crowds consistently as folks began to enjoy the sunshine, which had just appeared about one o'clock as well. And people started queuing up for a drink and some lunch and stuff like that. And I was expecting maybe a tail off on the stage. But our final session, Torin was on there along with Paul Bowles, um, who's the global TA for Nokia. And again, we were talking about uh, inclusion and, and, and diversity metrics in, in a TA context. And the tent was packed. Torn was passionate. We were sitting on three stools and he couldn't sit down. He kept trying to lift his body off the stool because he had so much energy to try and release. And it was the only panel we actually took audience questions on um, because we just didn't have enough time on the other panels of 30 minutes. And we could have taking questions for an hour and a half. That crowd was charged. They had so many questions, brilliant questions. We ran over by 15 minutes. Like this was 15 minutes eating into somebody's nighttime entertainment time. And everyone was stuck in this tent. And there was like 
three rows of people standing at the back and the sides. And it was just such a high to end on, on a subject that sometimes doesn't quite get the excitement. Sometimes you go to a talk on diversity and inclusion and people kind of nod their heads. And they feel like I shouldn't be here because, you know, someone said it was important. This was a tent full of people who really love the topic and were passionate about it. I just, you know, you don't get that on a Zoom call, to your point earlier, uh, in Kirsty. You don't feel that. You have to be there. You have to be in a charged tent to kind of feel that electricity um, of, of the magic of an important topic. And I think you make such a valuable point that we experienced in, in our tent as well. The questions that were posed, the interaction from the audience, really on every topic really showed that this was meaningful stuff so whether it was about uh, you know expanding your role in ta what were the success measures or whether it was something more technical about employer branding people were really thinking through uh, what it meant to them and how they were going to apply it in their role and that's quite unfortunately that's quite unusual for typical events but i think we broke down barriers that day we did. We did. Let's get into the actual talks in detail again. There's so many great talks. Emma, any talks or conversations that particularly surprised you? That you know, you go, oh, wow, that made me think or wasn't what I expected. It was really different. Um, anything that comes to mind from your stage? Yeah, I mean, there were a few things, actually, from each of the sessions which should have really built for me when I was reflecting, thinking that from an early careers point of view, there seems to be a bit of a disconnect between what graduates um, are potentially looking for in terms of engaging with employers and what employers are actually doing. So Stephen Isherwood from the Institute of Student Employers, which is a graduate recruitment membership organisation in the UK, um, and I'm just looking at my notes so I remember the stats correctly, but he said 42% um, of recent graduates actually cite text messaging as their preferred form of communication with companies, but only 13% of companies are actually utilising text-based recruiting as a tool uh, for college hiring. So I was like, okay, that's really interesting as a as a sort of um as a bit of a challenge there and as a disconnect and also the other thing was around TikTok and Lucy Cole from Grow Mentoring who's the youngest speaker actually at Recfest, only 22, really inspiring. So I'd highly recommend looking at her and um, looking her up on LinkedIn. And she was just talking about the use of TikTok for recruiting purposes. And you could just see in the audience, everyone sat there thinking, really, really, we're not on TikTok at the moment. And I had to look just before this and uh, at um, just jobs, the hashtag on TikTok, and there were sort of 2.6 billion views. So thinking, wow, this is re a really interesting uh, opportunity yeah. for people. Wow, that is a huge gap. Huge gap. Bill, um, Bill's just joined us, Bill Borman. Bill, um, same question to you before uh, we jump in with, with, with Kirsty. What, any talks that particularly surprised you or kind of like you had a wow moment? Because, you know, for, for the same reasons as Emma, it was, a, you know, a startling statistic or just like a speaker that wowed you maybe on your stage? Yeah, but mine wasn't a recruiting talk, actually. Um, so mine was, <clears throat> mine was, uh, uh, I, I, I was, fortunate enough to interview Rebecca Adlington. What a bit of data that she gave was that we have a million kids leaving school every year. Um, every year at primary school age who can't swim and the impact of swimming. I know it, it's a really strange thing, but the impact of that and how um, learning to swim is very much, a, it's quite an expensive and class thing and, and the impact uh, that's yeah, Just for our, our international audience, uh, can you maybe give some background as to who Rebecca is some context um, for those maybe who don't know where it's at the UK. Yeah, who's Rebecca? Rebecca Addington is a 
double gold winner and a bronze medal winner at two at two Olympics, um, and also a, a regular commentator on on television and a, a guest on I'm I'm a celebrity who had to eat some stuff. So known for lots of different things, but. I was really interested two of the aspects in, 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 the, in the conversation that we had. So the first one was really around how many increasing number of children who can't swim and the increasing number of deaths and impact on kind of broader society and our, our thinking, the opportunity we have to, to impact um, broader society. And the other aspect was quite a strong conversation around uh, um, social media and for people who don't know Rebecca Addington, Rebecca was particularly uh, harassed having won two goals at kind of age 18. She came in for a lot of social media abuse. And talking about that broader um, impact on family and dialogue within social media and society, which um, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you a massive recruiting data. That really stood out for me in the day, just in terms of the conversation that it was really a... a a, a strong moment about thinking about um, responsibility for the way in which we communicate. It's part of, I, I remember we talked about this thing. You told me about this on the evening of, of, of Wreckfest and I'd share with you, Bill, I'll uh, share with Emma and Kirsty. Um, every month on the social talent platform, we get about 26,000 uh, unique pieces of text feedback from users watching content and the stuff they post. Like, it's some of it's horrific about some of the authors and like abusing their looks and you know i think it's it's carried over from social media where people just they, they type things into systems and they feel no responsibility for what they say and how it could hurt somebody and it's just startling i think it's a it's a valid point for anything bill right um it's the it's the how we 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 use social media and we almost have this different personality when we type into this screen of unknown yeah. people, and it's it's horrific. But it's how it's, it's how do you change that when you know when you're looking at the narrative that's going on at the moment? So how do you change that in terms of just the real impact where some of these comments land? And how uh, Rebecca told the story said when she went into the jungle, she um, her sister, her younger sister, ran her social media accounts. So when she came back into the house, she threw her phone at her and said, "Don't." don't put me through that again and just you know the level of um of abuse and the license people think that they could say that that it's not something i wasn't um knowledgeable of, but i guess i've i've not seen too much apart from, from um some people like uh when i've been out with joe lockwood for example but the level of the, the uh, there's there was two things that really struck me one was um in the way she was speaking, she was kind of just saying, oh, that's just the nature of the game. I go on television. I'm in the public eye. It kind of an acceptance of it that this is going to happen. And that made me really sad, actually, that um, that people have to accept that level. And I think we see that on a micro level. That's a macro level. But I actually started thinking about the micro level of some of the things I've seen post our events when, when people are, have been speaking you know and we go through this debate all the time we talk about how do we how do we even up the the gender balance of speakers and all, all this kind of thing and how can we expect to do that when there are people on the other end who are really open to to really throwing in personal comments and abuse to all kinds of people for all kinds of reasons how, how can we expect to even up gender balance or 
have an equal playing field or even just show people show younger people how they should conduct and behave in society in general and this kind of stuff is we've almost kind of just accepted it now we're not we're not saying that we're not responding you know we're seeing these things and we're kind of going oh yeah it's another troll attack and we're letting it pass and and i think we need to um, and we can't affect the, the macro world but we can certainly start looking at our micro world those of us who run events those of us who have events those who have a public voice to think about um how we shape the narrative so we're encouraging people to come in and, and join in the difficult conversations and not making there's so many people i think who feel like um I've got a view or I've got an opinion, but I don't want to put my hand up because people are going to attack me or shoot me down, you know? Um, I'm curious to you, what about you? Anything like similar to Bill that was nothing to do with talent or recruiting that, that hit you or, or was to do with talent or recruiting that really struck you on the day? Well, two, two things. The first, just to sort of build on my co-pilot's comments about Rebecca, what I also loved about Rebecca's uh, session, she talked about the personal responsibility she took for uh, pres preserving how she felt about a lot of these comments and how she, you know, the, the attitude she adopted to almost make herself impervious. And, you know, these were, she had the choice of whether she was going to let these comments affect her. She chose to consider those from people very close to her. Beyond that, it just didn't matter. It was their comment. They owned it. She didn't need to. And for me, I think certainly being a, a woman who, you know, like Emma, we put ourselves out there and I'm sure there's room for lots of criticism. But actually, we can all choose, all of us, you guys included, of course, choose how we let that affect ourselves. And that, for me, I think is just simple, powerful message The the second session that really stood out for me was beginning of the day, this amazing woman called AJ Thomas, she, she also sung on stage Johnny I mean anybody that can cut a note at the beginning beginning of the uh, event and uh, she was breathtaking but she was talking about the future of work if you get to see the video that's one to watch she sang the theme tune of Frozen what's not to love um, but um, more importantly she was talking about the future of work and the comment she made that really uh, went away with me and gave me lots of time to cogitate was that the the future of work really needs a leap backwards and we need to think really carefully about meeting human needs first. I think we get so wrapped up in this, you know, war for talent and really thinking about clever ways we can get to talent first, whether it's through hiring or in employee engagement. And really just taking, taking things down to a human level, I think, is a really smart one. Let's, let's yeah, Johnny, really be thoughtful. <laughs> Well, I would add to that. Um, one of the things I got back after um, after the talk that I did to Kirsty Carly introduced me to for um, so it, at the end of my talk, one of the things I talked about was that we're going through a recessionary phase. We're going to see lots of stop start hiring. There's going to be lots of things, and that one of the things I was fearing that a lot of our diverse because we're under pressure in terms of candidates at the moment. Um, and we're having to hire in kind of sprint circumstance because there is stop, start, gr green, red, green, red. Um, and lots of people who were in the audience came to me and then said, actually, that's what's going on with me at the moment. We're getting this stop, start, we're getting freezes. There was two big points I wanted to make in that talk. One was um, it wasn't the time to be cutting recruiters. 
although we were going to go into freezes and you know there's there was quite a few people spoke to me afterwards that they had concerns about that about their own positions or the positions of their team and the other one um was that we've done a lot of good work in the last couple of 18 months two years in lots of organizations around diversity and diversity initiatives and i really gave out a plea to say um it's going to get tight in terms of hiring it's going to be a recession like we've, we've never seen before because um normally you have too many candidates and not enough jobs we're going to go into recession where there's going to be lots of financial cutbacks and ta is one of the first places that gets frozen or, or, or cut on that um but that i i have a real fear that that's then going to mean we're going to start looking at things like our diversity initiatives and good work that we've been doing in the last in the last two years in this stage and i probably had 30 ta leaders come up to me afterwards with some pretty significant organizations saying yeah actually that i'm starting to feel the pressure on my diversity initiatives i'm we're starting to get the push on our ed and i and how we're hiring because there's such a candidate shortage we've been told to start dropping that so the feedback i got from the audience really stood out to me one is the way in which i i think the market is going seems to be the, the general reaction that that was the right kind of call um but the the bigger thing was this um pressure that's beginning to come to say okay maybe we need to rethink ed and i maybe we need to be because we can't get the candidates maybe we need to rethink change our our standards and i think a lot of the good work we might have done in the last two or three years is potentially getting unpicked. And Emma, speaking of those bigger themes Bill's alluded to there, and Kirsty started off as well, like, and you talk to, you represent a group of in-house recruiters, right? This is your network. You know, did you walk away with a similar feel of this conflict that, you know, recessions here, talent is still impossible to find, pressure for TA teams, DNI taking a backseat, if those are some of the themes that I'm summarizing well enough, Kirsty and Bill, do you get similar similar impressions, Emma, or different impressions? Yes, I was just going to say actually. So on Bill's point, from so I had the early careers stage, and one of the key themes that came through, not just from the stage, but also speaking to people afterwards and dealing with their questions, was that a lot of people are really relying or leveraging their early careers schemes um, to drive DNI. Uh, within their organisations, so looking at it as a potential silver bullet, which obviously it's not going to be. Um, so I think that was one of the interesting themes that came out of the stage. And I think just sort of generally, we, um, from a firm perspective, we do research every year. And uh, one of the questions that we always ask is, um, you know, what's your biggest recruiting challenge? And it's a free text box, so people can put anything they like. And normally the answers are so varied. And this year, for the first time ever, 95% of respondents said, you know, re recruiting is talent shortage, scarce skills, that's sort of the, the biggest issue. And that's what's keeping people awake at night. It's funny, I... I... I spoke about this to a private client group two weeks ago and Josh Burson published an article on it last week. Um, I'd, I'd looked into it because I didn't, I had a sense of something and I looked into the US uh, inflationary data because it's nice and consistent uh, and then the unemployment data uh, mapped to that. And there's never been a point in, in recorded economic history, which is about 100 years old or, or consistent, where you've had high inflation and very low unemployment. Like, this is a really weird time. It's you, weird, Johnny. Johnny, it's weird. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm really old man. Sometimes that means I'm called a veteran, but that means I, I've worked through five recessions now. This will be the sixth one um, in a recruiting capacity. 
and the trends have always been really predictable historically so you get the first warning sign you get is things is that the hiring starts to go to contingency or short term so you start to lose long-term commitment towards candidates and, and, and roles change and then you start seeing the freezes in terms of hiring and you begin to see a funnel so i i add it on stage as two slot as two scales really what normally happens is you get more and more candidates and you get less and less jobs and more and more competition but this current time is really weird because because the skills because the labor market was kind of exhausted before we went into recession and because the types of jobs that we have are are very polarized in certain areas where we don't necessarily have the skills for those jobs so that you, we, we're kind of mining a, 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 a very small pool um what we're seeing is the the weird thing about this recession is we've got a recession we're getting the financial commitments we're getting 20 percent cut of headcounts in some tech organizations and other places being announced we're seeing hiring freezes being announced across the ta spectrum and yet it's still really hard to find candidates so what you're seeing is budgets getting cut resources being cut numbers of people being removed the time in which you have to hire from a as a TA team being shrunk down because you're having to do sprint hiring because you get the okay on something and that might be pulled in two or three weeks. So you want to move really quickly. You don't want candidates in process and suddenly you have to dump out. You've got all kinds of strange things happening in a recessionary time that we've never seen before. So we're having to kind of guess it a little bit in terms of what the right strategy might be. What's the right route to take i think what we're going to ha get is lots of stop start lots of sprint hiring and what we've got to do in ta is really um have a lot more data battle a lot harder um to keep our teams together make sure we don't get the cuts and that when we have downtime people are meaningfully utilized in pipelining and building and, and being involved in different activities so i think we kind of but it's very strange because we have recession and we're getting cuts in organizations at the same time we've got these whole chunks of talent that we can't find so it's really uncharted territory johnny you know even for someone who's been through lots of recruitment cycles i've never seen this before i'm having to spend a, a lot of time with people talking and saying Let, let's just figure this out a bit and, and, and the R100, is that also your sense? And is that your sense walking away from Wreckfest? Would you say that's a, a consistent theme? Because I, I know I spoke to so many leaders going, I'm here to hire. Uh, TA leaders going, I'm here to find recruiting talent. I had a talk at quarter past one on last Thursday with Stephanie McGinty of Kingfisher, Jennifer Candy of Cargo, and both made a shout out from the stage going, I'm hiring the following jobs. Come talk to me, recruiters. So like, there are conflicting messages of, I'm here to hire. I brought my team of 30 and we're here to find more recruiters. We can't do enough. I don't know. What was your sense from Wreckfest and what's your general sense from the Orb 100? I think I think that's exactly it. There is a... I'd, I'd love to plot all of the organisations on a chart to see whether there's any correlation between the maturity of the hiring function and their ability to influence the senior leadership of their business so that tooling up as bill said don't don't cut your team get it ready for the next wave get it ready for the next sprint and i so i think what we were able to do at wreckfest was show hopefully show that there is 
there is a need for confidence, stand firm. And all of the education from all of those amazing speakers should help leaders and their teams be able to build the business case in a far more um, cohesive and com competent and confident way. Um, what, I, what I loved listening to was the, you know, the questions around uh, performance and recognition for recruiters. They certainly weren't talking about exit routes, but you know, maybe we were lucky. We had the forward thinking 4,000. I'll, I'll have to lay the data exactly for you on that within the next couple of weeks, Johnny. So keep in touch. But I'm doing a track at the minute to see what it is. But we were actually seeing, but it is kind of, I, I think what you're seeing is um, very similar to industry at wide in terms of hiring. You're seeing boom and growth, boom and growth, and still boom and growth in recruiting teams. You know, so it's no surprise that someone like Amazon is continually and continually growing growing their recruiting team, increasing their headcount. But, you know, Amazon as a business is increasing, increasingly growing its business where other sectors are shrinking and, and feeling. You know, it's very mm. closely linked to the economic cycle. So if you look across, and you, I'm doing some work with Jamie on this in a moment, and if you talk to the members of the RO100 and you, and you look at the data, you will find as many people desperate to hire recruiters as you'll find people going, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm a little bit nervous at the minute about whether... I'm going to be able to maintain my headcount. So I think we're in, um, it's easy to look at the headlines and there are people who are growing and growing and growing. They want more and more people. And in their businesses, they want to keep growing their headcount, growing their headcount, growing their headcount. Um, at the same time, there's other organisations outside of kind of um, supply chain and FMCG. Even things, you know, things like technology, a 20% cut in tech staff at the moment. And if you cut 20% of tech staff, it's logical that you would cut 20% of your tech recruiters. That's a business step that isn't surprising. If, if you are like most TA teams, short 30% of your tech recruiters you'd like to have at the moment, and you're short 20% of the tech talent, that cut in forecast doesn't actually necessarily hit you. Like I, I've seen this on scale with, with customers. They're relieved that the hiring plan has been cut back because they, yeah. they didn't, couldn't hire the team to find the talent and they knew that the talent wasn't out there. So this actually makes it more realistic to hit their goals. It, um, it makes it realistic oh, really, to hit the goals. Yeah, yeah the, the only challenge that they have within that is they're being asked to hit their goals with less money. Sure. Right? You know, if, if, you cut, if your hiring requirement... In theory, supply chain principle, if, if the requirement for your service is cut by 20%, your budget tends to get cut by an equal 20%. Where do you find those savings, right? Where do you have to find those savings? So I think um, TA leaders are having to work from a leader leadership perspective, which is really the people I'm, I'm thinking about in this, have to be closer to so many other economic factors and what's going on in their market, what's happening much closer to labour market insights, more of an expert voice in their business to guide their business in the right direction. I, I think it's I, I, a very... Let me, let me push on to a different topic that's related to that, Bill, and, and, and let's, I'd love to open this back up to Emma and Kirsty and your opinions on this. I talked to Jamie, who you know leads the recruitment events company um, at the end of the day, and we talked about the topics, just a general, you know, the topics there were so less pure recruiting focus than perhaps previous years. And, you know, he commented about our stage was a lot of talent topics rather than talent acquisition. And that actually is, it seems to be across most of the stages. And it was the sense that, and it's been a growing trend for maybe five years at least, 
that talent acquisition is no longer a pure silo and no longer seen as a standalone solution that, you know, we're having, we're seeing the industry having to think bigger, think about other ways to solve. We had on our stage, we had a big talk about internal mobility. Nokia hire 40% of the professional staff internally. They don't, you know, only 60% actually goes external. That's a different number of different places. But lots of talent leaders who used to be talent acquisition leaders speaking on the stage like Yasser Ahmed and HelloFresh, who was a TA leader and now leads talent because his job is not just to find external people, it's develop internal, future leaders, L&D, all these different issues, D&I. Like, did you, are you seeing that trend as well you know, in the talks and in Definitely. the members um, of Yes, absolutely. If I can jump in there. So I think, and, and not just from, from, from Wreckfest on the day. So again, sort of if I look back at our annual membership survey, we ask everybody every year, what are your top strategic priorities? And um, obviously DNI, EVP employer brand candidate experience, always in the top three. But for the first time in 11 years of the history of the survey was uh, succession planning. So um, we're also really seeing an increase in terms of um, talent managers joining the firm or heads of talent. And so and people's sort of uh, spans of experience um, broadening as well. So people very much sort of picking up talent management as well. We're seeing sort of a, a big increase there. So I think internal mobility is definitely being explored as people are finding it hard to recruit talent externally. They're really looking at identifying potential um, internally. And it was also identified as, um, as a skill that hiring managers are not very good at in terms of succession planning. So it's clearly a development area for people. Kirsty, is that the same for you in the R100 and in the other businesses you work with? Yeah, absolutely that. And my rice smile was, you know, on, on one hand, we're we're in crisis and there's lots of flux and movement and agility is necessary. But maybe this is exactly the kind of economic situation that will force organisations to connect TA with TM with L&D. Are we actually going to see integrated talent solutions? And we've seen some smart members um, like Dave Vinton over at uh, BP taking on those roles, their sole gamut is to make sure that uh, all of the functions become integrated and uh, it no longer is siloed in the way that uh, candidates and then employees are, are treated. And I think that's a really exciting evolution of our, of our craft. I'm going to move to that summary point here in a second, folks, right? Um, as you know, I'm going to ask each of you for your piece of advice before we close. We have three pieces to try and get out of the way before we close the show. But in anticipation of that, and just to close off on Wreckfest, because awesome event, cannot, you know, express to the listening audience uh, who weren't there how much they need to be there next year, right? And how, how great an experience it is. And hopefully we'll see a Wreckfest version appear in maybe North America soon. Um, what was your biggest kind of takeaway? If you haven't mentioned it already, your biggest take takeaway from the day, maybe, uh, Bill, I'll ask you that and maybe ask you to try and summarize it in under 60 seconds. Yeah. So I'd follow on from that last point, Johnny, you and I had a, a disagreement probably five years ago when I said that I felt L and D and talent acquisition was going to become a single function. Um, I think we're actually seeing that now we, we're seeing the, a, a single function in terms of, um, talent talent mobility everything from acquisition to development to career pathing so you know and i got that from lots of places yeah i think it's it's been coming i did a disrupt hr talk in 2017 on it and i only had about yeah. six examples you could find six thousand examples of it in companies today and it's growing 
it's like a slight adjustment to that. I was shaking my head. I don't think it will be a single function. It will be centers of excellence that are completely integrated. I think the danger of having a single function is that it could become a, a mediocre version of all. And in talent acquisition, we've really worked hard to make sure that it is seen as a, an area of expertise, just in the same way that early careers. This is a, you know, this is this isn't the same as volume recruiting or senior exec recruiting or any other. So I think explicit areas in, uh, of, of expertise is fine but it surely i totally agree with you bill it surely has to be they all need to be integrated and facing the same direction what was your top takeaway was that there's still the top takeaway or anything else Kirsty, from from the day no, you know, actually and um, more about um uh, learning rather than even uh, the topics that were discussed i think what hopefully we've shown from this conversation you know we were there to host the stages and we've all taken away i've got a a notebook you know with lots and lots of commentary just just from conversations with bill to be honest but if we're you know that those events should be uh, an absolute opportunity to absorb some really great insight and stretch your mind and i think Recfest really did that so i'd say to to any, any professional, whether it's TAHR, L&D, TM, when they're thinking about how they're, how they're spending their time, and time is so precious right now, Johnny. And so if you're gonna, if you're gonna find a way to learn and stretch and think differently about our industry, then really think carefully about the sort of event you go to. What was breathtaking about Wreckfest, as Emma said, is it was that lovely blend of being a social environment and a learning environment. And so all the barriers were dropped. So people didn't mind asking questions. They'd tap somebody on the shoulder they were walking past that they might never have met before. They were having smart conversations. And actually you can have smart conversations in a relaxed way. Isn't that the inclusive environment every organization is trying to create? And we created that at breakfast. The safety around that. Yeah. Totally. And pause, so Billy, me, pause it, pause it. Everyone go over Emma for her top tip and come back to you. Give me a sec. <laughs> <laughs> so my top tip's my highlight as well, and it's probably building on what Kirsty said. So uh, when I was at Unilever, we had a competency called external orientation because it's felt that people were so focused on sort of the, the business internally, they really didn't look to the external world for insight and inspiration. So I really felt from Wreckfest that I got that, and so many people got that. And I know that people are busy, but it's so worth taking the time to get out and about and listen to what everybody um, is saying, because, you know, that innovation, that insight, it drives inspiration. I think the sort of the three go hand in hand, really. So my advice is get out there. I love that. I love that. And by the way, is that, so I'm going to ask you, is that your top tip as well? I, I probably uh, loaded that question wrong because uh, I'm going to move into the... It's my highlight and, and top okay. tip. I've done two in one, Johnny. <laughs> Here one. Efficiency. Thanks, Emma. I'm going to move to you, Bill. Your response and also what is your top tip you want to leave our audience yeah. So I think the other thing that's really important about Wreckfest, which makes it different to lots of other events, is that you have every level of recruiter. So normally when you go to an event, it's a very specific type of recruiter, usually someone who's got some buying budget. So if you go to an event, it's either top leadership, middle leadership to people with budget. This, I think, comparing RO100 events to Wreckfest events are separate things. Wreckfest when you've got people bringing the whole team, hundreds of people in some cases, you've got every level of recruiter and every 
person in every discipline in the same place. And, that, and that's that's unique in terms of a networking opportunity of getting that unique perspective of someone who does a different job to you. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen it elsewhere. There, there, there's a photograph of the Amazon team and they fill a whole conference themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It was nuts. Top tip, Bill. We ask every guest, and you've you've given it about nearly two years ago a top tip. But what was your what was your top tip you'd like to leave our audience with today? I think just to become, yeah, you you need to look closer at what's going on in the broader labour market, understand data a little bit better, and become become expert voice to prove your value, to prove your value in the organisation. Because I think that's in in a batten down hatches time that's going to be really important. Peter Coulson from Spotify, the, the global head of TA for Spotify, spoke on our stage at one point and informed us that he just completed a three-month course in people analytics in Cambridge uh, because his boss said, I want to know the, the data. And he went, okay, I'll go learn it. And yeah, and we need to be doing course. that. And yeah, I, you know, I love, you're right, the data part's so important to the conversation and you can learn it. Kirsty, final word to you. Um, gosh. <laughs> Top tip, I think, um, to, to Bill's point, but, you know, data really matters and um, it, it brings alive the conversation that we all want to have with our senior leadership teams. Um, but we so often look inwardly at the sort of data we're sharing and it becomes terribly TA, um, TA focused. Think, think about, look externally, talk the language of your organisation um, it doesn't have to be, you know, a dark art. You're not a politician, but you can make a case with some really smart data that's available to you at your fingertips. Talk to all your vendors and suppliers because they'll be desperate to give you insight. I love the cohesiveness of those piece, three pieces of advice. Get out there, talk externally and get the data. Um, fantastic advice. Emma Merrington, Christy Kelly, Bill Borman. It's been a pleasure having you on, sharing those insights. Even bigger pleasure spending some time with you all last week. Great job. Uh, it's great. Do it all again with these next thank year. You. Thanks, all. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. And thank you for listening thank to you. this week's show. Hopefully, that's given you a summary of what you've missed out and you want to do more. We'll put some links to Torin Ellis's opening um, video, some links to where you can find uh, more videos from last week's Wreckfest of the talks. Um, but come back to us next week. Um, I won't be here. My fantastic colleague, Holly Fawcett, will be interviewing the brilliant Sabrina Pluga who is the TA Manager of Experienced Hire Recruiting for EMEASA at Boston Consulting Group. And they're going to be chatting about the importance of learning and development, which is a big topic closing out today, and time management, something a lot of recruiters are struggling with at the moment because they're so underwater with the amount of recs and the lack of talent out there. So join us next week with Boston Consulting Group's Sabina Pitluga and Holly Fawcett for another episode of The Shortlist. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.